Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. Behave Intelligently is co-hosted by fellow behavioral enthusiasts Jay Johnson and Mark Garrison and produced by the amazingly talented team at Coeus Creative Group. Thank you for joining this week's edition where we're going to talk about burnout. So this is a word that I see tossed around everywhere. Burnout. I'm feeling burnout from the pandemic. I'm experiencing burnout from quarantine. I'm, you know, I'm really burned out on remote work right now. Is that something that you've come across at all in your research, Mark? Yeah, you know, I hear it all the time. There, there's burnout in in life. Um, you know, you hear uh, people burnt out in the, the dating scene. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, um, burnt out by uh, fellow coworkers that are you know in different generations. Um, you know, just tired of it, and, I, and I'm not sure that. There, people are using the term burnt out correctly. It's like the old, uh, I, that word, you keep using it. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, so. <laughs> because I mean, it's being used in so many different scenarios, but you know, every time I'm, I'm hearing it, seeing it, um, it's being tossed around. It's always somewhat in the framework of they're tired of something. Yeah. So let's, I want to start with uh, an article in the Scientific American. It's called Five Surprising Causes of Burnout, and it's by the savvy psychologist, Ellen Hendrickson, on May 4th, 2019. So this is actually, you know, pre-COVID, but I think it does a good job of actually uh, framing or narrowing the discussion on burnout. And I think that a lot of people would be surprised that burnout is actually a international classification of disease, ICD-10, which is also acknowledged by the World Health Organization as a discernible outcome, but it's very, very specific and it's very particularized to employment. Burnout in that context actually only relates to employment. So when you're feeling stress or anxiety or anything else like that with home, chores, dating, generations, whatever that might be, if it's not related to employment, then it technically doesn't fit the, quote, uh, diagnostic definition of burnout. And that surprised me. I was shocked by that. You know, I I didn't, I mean, I always had heard the term burnout referred to in in a workplace type or a job situation. But hearing that term used in so many other scenarios by people, I would have never have guessed that it was being misused, you know, (laughs) because it should have been only applied in a work situation. So let me make sure it's clear, though, because in the United States, for example, it's not a diagnosable condition. However, in other countries, it actually is. So like Sweden, it is a diagnosable condition. And generally, so... Uh, the word burnout was actually utilized in 1974, and it was something that was kind of brought about uh, by the psychologist Herbert Freudenberger, and he's credited anyways with the term burnout. And in 74, he defined it as the loss of motivation, a growing sense of emotional depletion, and cynicism amongst, uh, he saw it amongst workers at a health clinic, a, a volunteer health clinic in New York City. I think the, the Scientific American article does a really good job of sort of giving a, a framework and talking about 
those three capacities and uh, the hallmark symptoms as they're called when it comes to this specific application of the word burnout. That first one, emotional exhaustion. I think that maybe that's part of the reason why people can conflate it to virtually anything, you know, uh, work, life, anywhere else, because we've all experienced emotional exhaustion amongst a wide variety of different contexts. Yeah, and I think that's the case. I think, you know, dating is very hard on emotions. And I think that's the part that triggers people to just go, you know, I'm burnt out from dating, I'm taking a break. Or, um, burnt out in life, usually it just means you're emotionally uh, drained. And so I think that's, that is where people are, are pulling that, that term into play. Yeah, I don't think that that's a bad use of the term. I mean, I think that if we just looked at burnout as a word, it would, it would certainly apply to those situations. But I, I think a lot of the literature right now is really looking at the, the behaviors that stem from burnout in the professional environment. So kind of focusing on that, that second, uh, that second kind of keystone symptom is reduced personal accomplishment, which I thought was interesting. The article defines exactly what it sounds like. It takes more effort to get less done. And I think like right now, we've all felt that at least at some point in time over the last 10 and a half months, where it's just like this most simple or menial tasks are absolutely, they're mountains to climb. I, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I've never experienced that in my life until the last 10 and a half months. Yeah, where you have to sort of give yourself a pep talk to do <laughs> the smallest thing. Like, oh, you can do this. All right. I swear I can Let, answer that email let's, today. That email, yeah. that email is achievable. I can make a smart goal to answer just that email. Yeah. Yeah. Or even as something as small as like taking the garbage out, you know, it's like, oh, I got to go do that. That seems like such a big deal. And I think part of it, that too, is with so many people working from home, you had routines, you had habits that you were in and all of those things change. So these little tasks sometimes seem huge. And even, even going grocery shopping now has become a huge task that you really have to psych yourself up for or go to the store to buy something and just sort of mentally prep to do it. Where Especially before it was, because just, now you're, you're not just planning, you know, oh, I can go back to the, well, at least for me, I don't plan to go back to the grocery store. Like I'm doing two weeks at a time and I am buying all the meals leading up for those two weeks. And I'm like, if I have to go back to the grocery store, I'm not a happy camper. <laughs> right, so. right. Where before you might just go back the next day and grab the one thing you forgot. Yep, exactly. So the last symptom is depersonalization. And that is, uh, in most of the literature, they'll define that as being cynical or being overly cynical with the work. So constantly sort of negative, uh, chiding, critical, resentful, uh, negligent in some cases. And interesting, you know, uh, I, yeah, I struggled with this one because I have seen cynicism in virtually every organization that we've ever consulted, right? Like there's some level of cynicism. And I think when I look at burnout, or at least the literature, uh, the behavioral literature on burnout, it's that cynicism to the, to the excess. I thought that was an interesting concept. Yeah, and you know, when I saw this part, I, it really spoke to me because I have found myself 
sort of in that space where when replying to an email, you're like, oh, these idiots and just respond back. I've said this a hundred times or whatever. Now I'm not saying that in the email, but I'm saying that maybe out loud in my, or in my head. Uh, and I find that if I get to that point and, and that's often going right up until like where I have a vacation planned. When I get back from that vacation, that trip, I'm in a but much, much better mind space. Sure. And you've been able to, you know, kind of overcome that, right? Yeah, I hadn't connected those dots uh, until sort of reading this. And I was like, huh, that's that is kind of true. You know, you get to this this point where you just, you know, maybe that was some some uh, part of depersonalization that I was experiencing or a, a phase of burnout and took that break and, and recharged. Yeah. So I think one of the interesting things is to really kind of look at burnout and say, all right, these are symptoms, but those symptoms are not that uncommon from like just depression, uh, anxiety, or any other number of essentially, uh, you know, it could be work or personal life. So I think that maybe that's why the burnout, you know, the technical term burnout gets conflated in so many other places of the world, because we get cynical of relationships, we get cynical of, you know, uh, our life partners or whomever it might be in the home when we're doing chores. So I I can see these cross applications. Um, But let's talk about what burnout actually does in the workplace. And and you had found a really, really good article talking about kind of what burnout is and what burnout isn't. And I thought one of the the really interesting pieces out of that article was burnout is a way to talk about problems in the workplace that feels more legitimate and less stigmatized than complaining. I thought that was, as a communications person, the way that that was even framed. And we'll share the article links uh, for both of these in the show notes. So if you want to take a look at these really good articles, uh, this one's actually by Richard Summers, a doctor, uh, on the commentary on, you know, the elephant in the room. But when we think about burnout is a way to talk about problems, I think that maybe that's, again, one of the reasons why it's conflated is because it's, it's a framework that I think almost everybody has experienced at one point in their life or their professional life or another. Yeah, I think so. You know, and, you know, there was the other line that spoke to me that burnout was a mismatch between expectations of work and their actual experience. You know, that's fun. You're, do you remember those old memes? I, I'm, I'm bringing it back right now. Do you remember those old memes like what my mom thinks I do, what society thinks I do, yep. what I actually do? And it's like some, you know, uh, you know, a trainer and it's, you know, there's this big stage presence on, you know, what my mom thinks I do. And then, uh, you know, somebody lecturing in front of a classroom, you know, what my friends think I do. And then when it's actually, you know, sitting in front of 16 articles and books and everything else like that and a PowerPoint with just a blank slide on it, what I actually do. I found those honestly to be really, really funny. Um, just on the sole basis of they were pretty accurate commentary. You know, when we look from the outside in, we might think, wow, that job is so glamorous, but you, you may not see all of the things right behind the scenes. Right. And those things that cause the burnout to occur. You know, 
it's interesting to me though, because for me, like, and and I've we've talked to obviously hundreds of trainers in the profession, you know, through the different organizations like Association for Talent Development or the NSA. And I do find it interesting, like for me, that research component, that uh, putting together the slides, the putting together the concepts, like that actually gives me energy. Uh, it gives me energy and I, I can't wait to test it. So like getting out on the stage and testing it or getting in front of an audience and testing, it's great. But that's one of the things that I've kind of like, all right, I feel like I'm in the right industry because the nitty gritty work that some people hate, I actually truly, truly enjoy. So to your point, how many people like the nitty gritty of their job? And I think that that might be one of the challenges that we face with burnout. Yeah, that could be, you know, and, and, and I think what in your example, you're an air preference and you like that trying new stuff, thinking about new things where an earth preference you know, might be really good and love their job if they're doing things where it's more routine or it's process focused. Uh, putting an air in a, we'll say a CPA's position might not be a, a good match. You know, they might really struggle with something like that because it's so structured and it's very process focused and they don't get to really uh, use their preferred behaviors which is also why I don't like to do paperwork or anything else. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, you know, anybody that wants to take this on, please feel free. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I also think, you know, it's a, it's, it's not always just about the job, but maybe the workload with the particular job, you might really enjoy it. Um, a CPA might really enjoy being a CPA, but they may not like it during tax season, you know, where it's sure. just nonstop long days uh, maybe frustration with clients who didn't plan, even though that CPA had been telling them for the last six months, send these documents in and save these documents or prep these documents. You know, don't bring in a shoebox full of receipts, you know, the day before the tax filing day and say, here you go. Kathy, so if I, you're listening and I created burnout for you, my apologies. <laughs> so, you know, so it might be more those things when it comes to the job, not they might still have that passion and the excitement for their, their tasks. Yeah. So, I mean, we can look at the different things that may lead to this long hours, overexertion, um, you know, not necessarily matching value alignment uh, or even possibly like toxic coworkers. We do a lot of talks on dealing with difficult people and how many people have left their job because they just can't get along with a boss, a supervisor, a colleague, a coworker you know, that's probably a good indication of burnout even. So what are some of the things that you would suggest to people uh, maybe to identify if they're in burnout? What are those, some of those key behaviors that you might see just, you know, assuming that you're maybe coaching somebody? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be different in different industries, to be honest with you. Like, let me give an example of healthcare, right? Because that's one of the ones where a lot of discussion comes around burnout and why long hours, A. B, you've got different uh, different value systems between different administrators, between different you know physicians, between different nurses, et cetera. And then you have the added complexity of 
other people's pain, suffering, uh, situation, sickness, concerns, especially in the COVID times, now you also are bringing home the potential risks. So I think that that's going to be very different than, say, potentially the signs that I would see from somebody. Um, there's going to be some cross-application, but the signs that I would see from somebody, say, in a CPA role. Uh, I think one of the big signs early on is going to be that how much dread do you feel in going to the office or going to work? And maybe that dread, and if you're a remote worker and you have to walk into your office that's down the hall, how hard is it to get to that office? And, and you and I were talking about this before, like I love what we do, but there are days and times that I cannot make myself go upstairs to my upstairs office, that I actually have to like find a different venue in my home to sit down and do something just because I do feel burned out going up to this office where there's nobody else to work with, where it's isolated, where it's kind of out there. So that feeling or sense of dread in having to go to the office or having to go to your workspace, I think is probably a early sign. Another one I might think about is how much cynicism do I have? And, and when I say cynicism, like we all have those days where it's just like, we don't like anybody at the office. We don't like anybody, any clients. We don't like anybody in, in general. But when I'm talking about cynicism here, I'm thinking of it more along the lines of a constant nagging perpetuation that not only are, is everybody else you know, bad, but I don't belong here. This is not the space for me or anything else. And I think that, again, while we might feel that on occasion, that prolonged sense of it, I think, is a really good indicator of we might be in burnout mode. What about you? Is there any that kind of jump out at you? Um, you know, I would say being really aware of your emotions and, you know, what's going on from an emotional aspect. Are you um, constantly feeling down? Are you, are you sad? Are you, uh, are you happy to, to be working? You know, so happy, you might go, all right, great. You know, things are going in the right direction. But if you're feeling sad, depressed, um, or getting angry very easily, you know, if someone is, um, you know, just respond to an email. Yeah, hair trigger, you know, kind of how you might react if you're reading comments on Facebook, right? If you're jumping in there, you might have to maybe check your emotions a little bit. Um, so those kind of factors, those are going to be some of the top ones I'd be looking at going, just being aware of that and, and seeing how you're, emo you're reacting emotionally. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I mean, that, that heightened sense of awareness of your own emotions, your own behaviors is always something that we're going to be promoting. You know, but what if you're a leader? What if you're a team manager? What if you're a CEO of your organization? I think that, that it's worth a moment to say, what are some signs that maybe you would look for in your organization to find out, are your employees burned out or is your team burned out? And I, I really liked in the article that you had uh, put out there. And again, it was from the American Journal of Psychiatry, but it says, you know, different behavioral indicators in a culture are going to be things like reduced productivity, 
increased part-time status, early retirements, increased medical errors in the healthcare field, uh, decreased, decreased uh, interactions amongst your team, increased turnover. All of those different aspects, and I've seen this, I've seen this in a ton of different organizations where all of a sudden one person quits and then a second and then a third, fourth, fifth. And it's just like all of that amasses to massive economic impact on a company, uh, knowledge losses of a company. And, you know, it's something that may or may not have been preventable if it was something that maybe leadership could take a look at and say, all right, how can we solve this? Or what can we do to help people? Right. Like leadership needed to step in and try to pause that, that flow of people from either leaving or from whatever uh, the burnout uh, occurring and trying to rotate some staff in, give someone a break, maybe try to shift some workloads uh, you know, try to really identify what is causing that experience for them. Is it long hours? Well, maybe something can be adjusted. Is it, you know, uh, the amount of work or is it the type of work? You know, if, if the work is very stressful, they can't keep getting more and more and more and more on their plate if it's all high stress. You know, maybe we need to spread that out and balance out some high stress with some maybe lower stress. So, um, you know, in the, in the medical field, like you were referencing, maybe it's dealing with patients, but then it's also dealing with paperwork where the paperwork may not be as stressful. Yeah, and or even like if we were to take this to manufacturing, a lot of times on the production floor when you're launching a new product, that's gonna be long hours, that's gonna be an extended piece until you get your production lines into play. Okay, well, if you just put an entire team or leadership team through that, what could you do at the end of that to make sure, do you take them and say, okay, onto the next project, let's put you in there another 16 hour, uh, 16 hour day for the next eight weeks to get this one launched. I mean, some people might thrive in that environment. And I think that that's something that we'll talk about when we get to kind of solutions. But um, the reality is, is I think it's really important to uh, identify and look at those ups and downs or where they're at. And maybe instead of just saying, Mark, you're clearly experiencing burnout. Maybe we look and say, Mark, what's your level of burnout right now? You know, it's not necessarily you are or you're not. Where are you on a sliding scale with, you know, zero being no burnout and 10 being I'm going to set fire to everything because that's how burnt out I am. Right, right. And, and using that scale and, you know, like I said earlier, I would take a vacation for a break. Right now, not that many people are feeling comfortable taking that vacation or taking the breaks or, or don't have the luxury or the time off to do that. And so they're, they're, they might keep going up on that, that burnout scale. And so how do we, how do I identify where they're at and how do we, uh, you know, sort of address those, those factors? You know, I don't personally have kids, but I got to imagine people who have kids that are, you know, doing school from home, their, you know, parents are working from home. Parents might not be, you know, getting burnout at work, but they might be getting emotionally drained from other factors, and then that's impacting their their burnout at work too. 
a little transference there, psychological transference. Yeah. Absolutely. So we know that symptoms can be very similar to things like, you know, personal depression, or it can be similar to things like anxiety, but this is really focused on that workspace and how you're feeling about the workspace. So we'd love to hear from you if you have experience in burnout, if you've, uh, if you've gone through this, if you've weathered it, if you're in the middle of it right now, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at podcast at Coeus Creative Group. Share your story. We'd like to hear how you're doing or how you're managing it. But maybe let's take the last set here and talk about some ideas for how we can do this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a block right on that spot of everybody immediately goes to do some meditation, deep yoga, uh, breathe, breathe in and out. And those are all fantastic. I'm not taking anything away from those. I'm sure that some, you know, all of those have an impact, but let's be a little bit more behavioral sciencey and see if we can't come up with something unique for people. I have one to share. And it's something that I actually started implementing myself in 2021. And it's actually made a big difference for me, not because of burnout, but because I just, as a communications person, I always think about language and language creates reality. If I say, Mark, I have a whole bunch of work for you to do. How are you going to immediately feel and or react to that? Oh, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, that's it. It's, it's like, oh my goodness, what's coming now? What else? You know, it, it's, I go, I go right to a negative mindset. Same way as if you said, Hey Mark, I got another meeting for you to join. Right. Cause there's, there's this negative connotation with the word work, right? When we think of work, it's not a pleasant experience. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's something that we don't do. So I love what we do. I love everything about our behavioral programs, our training, our coaching, our marketing. I love all of this. So why am I calling that work? Because work's something I don't want to do. But if I, so what I've tried to do, and this has really kind of actually shifted my mindset a little bit, instead of saying I have to go to work or I am going up to do work, I now very accurately and specifically say what it is that I'm going to do because it reminds me what I love. I'm going to go create. I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, research. I'm going to go and respond to the clients. I'm going to go help my team today. And instead of saying, I'm going to go and work, I replace that with the things that have much more positive connotations in my mind. I you said it. I love to create. I love to win. I love to do all of these other things. So I, I think about that in terms of I'm not going upstairs into my office at home to work. I'm going to do the things that I love. And I, I've, I've changed that language and it's been what, 27 days. We're almost, we're almost, you know, a month into January and it has had a big impact on how much easier it is for me to walk to that office. What if other people were able to do that? You know, I'm not going to work to go to work to do this. I'm going to go serve patients today. I'm going to go save lives today. I'm going to go protect the public today. I'm going to go, whatever it is that sort of drove you to that profession or whatever it is anyways, replace the word work. Do what you're actually loving to do. It, it reminds you what your passion is. You know, it, you sort of, by announcing it or saying it in your household, you know, you're letting, letting your household know what you're doing that day. You're also, uh, saying what your priority is for, for, for that day or for the morning or, or 
what you're what you're doing next, right? This is what I'm working on. I am creating this. You're also setting a bit of accountability too. Yeah. Because if you tell me, Mark, I am creating this this morning and the afternoon rolls around, I go, Jay, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> I know what you said you were working on. Right. You know, I, and you'd be like, uh, I uh, scrolled through Facebook for four and a half hours and, you know, so I, we can, that's a way to, to set accountability on, on, on the task as well. So I, I do like that mindset. Well, you know, and I'm going to work this into the vernaculars instead of asking if you're a leader, if you're a team leader, instead of, hey, what are you working on, Mark? I might say, hey, Mark, what are you creating today? Or, you know, I know you're, you're the innovation guru, see here. So I, you know, what are you innovating today? Or what are you, and reminding you that sort of sense of purpose that you have within the organization. That's, I can actually influence, I think, other people by even reducing the amount of the word work that I'm talking about. And you just modify that based on whatever industry. If, if you're the manager uh, of a team of customer service people, how are you helping our clients today? Or how are you helping our customers? Disney actually uses something very similar. You know, how are you, how are you creating memories today? And I think that that's a really powerful way of asking, what are you working on <laughs> that has a much more positive connotation? All right. So that's yeah. one. Do you have any jumping out at you right now? Throwing it out and tossing you to the lion's. You know, I, I would say a, a behavior to, to look at is, and this is a little bit of my earth side coming out, is figure out what your what your workload looks like. Yeah. Plan it, strategize it. If, if there's too much going on, talk to your boss, talk to a team member about it. Try to fix that amount of work because that snowball effect when it comes to work can, can just be exhausting. And so you've got to figure out what you can handle, prioritize it. And really, it may not be that much work that's on your plate because you might have flexible deadlines. And so trying to figure out those deadlines with the other team members and modifying things versus just assuming that this is due on this day and that's not negotiable. Yeah. And you actually just kind of like made me think of something. We should probably do a podcast at some point in time on having difficult conversations. You're like, how do you have that difficult conversation with your boss? How do you advocate for yourself in a professional and functional way? So stay tuned. We'll do that one at some point in time here soon. I also want to bring it back to one of the things that obviously we specialize in behavior, the behavioral elements program that we have. You know, that is when people think of like personality assessments, this is not that. This is really focused. Behavioral elements focuses on our intrinsic passions, our intrinsic motivations, the drives that we have, you know, and there's a lot of research on sort of those internal drives, those natural drives that have evolved over time. And behavioral elements helps us to really understand what are those drives that we subscribe to. So you being an air and an earth, you know, as your primary and secondary, me being a fire and air as a primary and secondary. There are certain things that just get me excited based on those drives. I love the competition aspect. I love the creation aspect, the innovation, the thinking, the, you know, and, and taking it and kind of blazing new trails. 
from, from your perspective, you love that balance between the innovation and structuring a plan to be able to make that innovation come to life. If I yeah. know that as a leader, that's going to help me to identify, do I have a person who their work is not tapping into those intrinsic, deep-rooted motivational aspects? If I'm an individual that's experiencing burnout, do I know that the work that I'm doing is not feeding those natural inclinations, those natural preferences that I have. So, you know, whenever we do trainings with the behavioral elements programs or coaching, or even when we're talking with somebody that's taken the full assessment, a lot of times what I try to focus on is, okay, so how are you feeding that intrinsic drive in your profession? How are you feeding that intrinsic drive in your personal life? How are you feeding that intrinsic drive in your, uh, you know, in your financial well-being life or anything else? I think it's really important that we're aware of those intrinsic drives. And I think that's critical. And, you know, outside of a global pandemic, if, if your job doesn't align to those, start looking for maybe a position or a career path that does pull on those behaviors and you can you're passionate about it yeah i like that and i think that we can end there so if you enjoyed this we'd love to hear your feedback if you have other ideas for how you would manage burnout send us a message at podcast at coeus creative group but i want to say thank you for tuning into this week's episode of behave intelligently if you enjoyed it please rate review and subscribe on itunes spotify or wherever you might be listening uh, let us know what you think. And if you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group, the Behavioral Elements Program, or anything else, visit our website or connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in to next time when we're going to talk more about behaving intelligently.